All right, let's talk about some core wyvern, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to Alchemy Answers episode 68, where we answer questions from our wonderful Patreon supporters, as well as our somewhat less wonderful chat. No, you guys are great. Um, let's hop into the questions, Jenkins. You got some good ones for me. We're going to be talking about how to fix hard lanes, position four, and all sorts of other cool stuff. All right, let me, uh, let me go ahead and give these a gander here. Jenkins, what do you do when your position four, this is Pogasus, by the way, what do you do when your position four won't, all right, I need to close that window. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. I, that was wishful thinking, thinking that I could open that window uh, when I live right next to a highway. Uh, Jenkins, what do you think when your position four won't side pull in a hard lane? I'm guessing either dragged away from behind the tier one, uh, yada, yada. Well, you asked the question. Uh, I can tell you what I do. I go pull it. I just let them be the core, and I just go. I just go pull it. Uh, like you mentioned, if if they won't pull it, I can maybe just push it and grab the wave from behind the tower. Uh, you can send a double wave. You got to do something though. You have to do something. If you do nothing, you're just going to slowly stagnate and lose the game. So yep, yeah. Just identify it, and then as soon as as soon as possible, uh, do do one of the options. They're all fine. They're all fine. Yeah, I just want to put this out there. If you are expecting your support to do something and they're not doing it, you can do it yourself. Like, it's it's not the most optimal way to play the lane as a carry to have to pull for yourself, but it's certainly better than just losing the lane because your support is bad. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, when was the last Alchemy Answers? That was 18th. These are on the... Should be everything okay. below Moyes. Right, right. Okay, so we have um, Snowy. He says, I've been playing a lot of Undying Position 4 over the last week. In my opinion, that's griefing. I always seem to be deciding whether to build a Buckler or a Bracer in the early game. That seems like the type of conundrum an Undying would have. Uh, they cost a similar amount. They both give you the same uh, some overall stats. In general, both make you a bit tankier. Of course, there are variations like Armor on the Buckler, Magic Resistance, etc., etc. Each of these differences can be better in certain matchups. However, my question is, what is the practical difference between these items? Can I or should I adjust my play based on what I should get? Or is it purely choice uh, based on one uh, matchup? Uh, so it's a good question. I think I mean I, I my initial thought is if you're against some absurd amount of magic damage and you need to survive like some tiny or puck or whatever, I'll build bracers. But generally as an offlaner or as a support, I will opt for anything that buffs my team first. Because it's not only my job to be tanky, but it's my job to also make them tanky as well. So I would opt for a buckler almost always, unless a bracer is a necessity, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that generally on a hero like an Undying, you're probably going to be building into something like Vlad's, perhaps. So going for a buckler is always pretty good. Right, especially um, if you're playing position four, you're going to be getting net, you're going to be getting net worth, and you want to, you know, have things that you can build into with those with those smaller items a bracer doesn't build into anything yeah i think that bracer tends to be more of one of those items that you build on a mid who wants to fight early and then undying you get enough strength anyway to where you don't really need to and you could probably better use that money to go for stuff that takes advantage of your high strength which is like armor magic resistance items like glimmer cape or, or pipe or something like that yep yep i agree uh bradley dragon says what are the worst heroes in pups my top worst heroes in pubs are Mars, Earth Spirits, uh, Earth Spirit, I should say. Uh, I guess Spirits works as well. Venomancer. Uh, okay. 
What does that uh, mean? What are the, are, are these... what, are the, what, are the what are the current worst heroes, basically? Um, Pudge? Techies? techies? <laughs> uh, let me go to my list. <laughs> uh, attributes. Pudge is dog shit. Techies is dog shit. Are there any absolutely other horrendous heroes other than those two? I feel like a lot of heroes have a place. There we go. We were on the wrong overlay. Sorry, guys. We're back down. Oh, that's here. that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Pudge and Techies. These are bad. Visage is pretty bad. Visage is pretty bad. Gyro. For sure. Uh, gyro is pretty bad. But I would say Visage, Pudge, and Techies are definitely worse than Gyro. Yeah. Somebody in chat said anti-mage, but I think anti-mage is actually really good in certain matchups. It's just really bad in other ones, so mm -hmm. he's just extreme. He's just extreme, but it can be horrendous, for sure. I also kind but of feel like amazing. heroes like Oracle are amazing with a coordinated team, but absolutely horrendous to play in pubs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that's enough heroes. Uh, those are garbage ones. Lion. I I, I want to say Lion, but I know Donnie's going to disagree with me, so I was holding it back, but I fucking hate Lion. <laughs> I, I hate Lion. So uh, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. We can get into that. Uh, okay, so Miras says, position four related, how do I identify an unplayable lane? I would rather make the decision to cut slash drag before trying to lane in a normal way. I know some of the matchups, but sometimes I get stuck trying to play a bad lane. So there's a few things that I want to say to this. Uh, the first thing is, it's hard. Sometimes you can't identify a bad lane until you actually lane it, and it seems horrendous. Yep. That's fine. More so than you would think, pros do a lot of guessing and checking. Yeah, just on the fly. They'll, yeah, they'll be like, they'll try to play the lane. It'll just feel shit because they're out harassing you or whatever, and you can't immediately think of a way to make it better. You just go cut the next wave. Yep. So it's just important. And what I think might be happening in your pubs, because this is what I see in a lot of pubs that aren't like pro-level pubs, is that you're not necessarily playing a bad lane, and that's the issue. It's that you're playing a bad lane for too long. Yep. And you can play a bad lane for 30 seconds or even a minute and then just go pull the next wave because you realize it's bad, and that's fine. The problem is when you play a bad lane for five minutes and you keep trying to play a bad lane, and it gets to the point where it's it's unfixable. That's, that's always the issue. Right. Um, so... Yeah, just like keep, you know, I think one of the biggest things to try and keep in mind is just to like learn from the hard lanes. If you play a lane and it just doesn't seem to work out for you, just take note of what heroes are in it and then think about like, is this because I didn't have enough regen or is it just because this is a bad matchup for my hero? And then you know that next time you can't play the lane or you need to itemize differently to be able to do it. So I think you just kind of have to go with one of those two options. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I could I could talk about this for for quite some time for sure. It's uh laning is a obviously a huge portion of of Dota, but that's that's probably the best piece of advice I can give you for for now. So I'll I'll just I'll leave it at that because I feel like that's it's okay to not to not know. And also, if you just have an inkling feeling that you're going to lose the lane, I would say it's better to err on the side of caution in Dota. Yep. So pull the lane if you're not sure. Uh, I agree. And because you always go 50-50, and that's fine. You can win in the mid-game, especially if you're confident on, on your hero. Bradley Dragon says, I actually tried the whole use W on Enchant to control a creep and push waves, except it doesn't work at all. 
The creep, for some dun- dumb reason, unlike Chen creeps, does not get a move speed buff. So the slow-ass thing dies before it even gets to the wave uh, it's supposed to push out. Well, uh, that doesn't sound like you're leveling up in chant because it lasts for uh, 120 seconds. It's two minutes uh, when when you're enchanting a creep. And it also sounds like to me you're enchanting creeps really far away from the creep wave. Just take the range creep. You know, it's in the wave. It does piercing damage, so it's going to slaughter the entire creep wave easily. And you also want to micro it so that it is standing behind the other creeps, and the other creeps are are taking the damage first, the useless creeps. Because, man, you, Enchantress, like, to me, Enchantress's job is to go to whatever the bad lane is and just send a creep down it. Yep. And then she sits in, in another lane. Like, Enchant can push out two lanes, which is really cool. Or so, not even necessarily, like, I, I feel like that might even send the wrong message. Like, go to the lane that you want to push out with your creep, enchant the nearest camp, or enchant the range creep in the lane, send it down the lane. Your, your creep doesn't jungle. have to walk anywhere. And then you walk to the other lane, and you farm it, or you jungle Your, your hero is the one that does <laughs> yeah. the walking, yeah, not, exactly. the, not the creep. Exactly. You're not you're not you're not, you're not enchanting like a possible. tomato in the bottom lane and sending it to the top lane to go push out the way. That's never Yeah, gonna that's that's gonna be a rough one if you try to do that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Okay, Stained Ship says now that shrines have been removed from the game, what do you think Valve should add as a new incentive for destroying a tier three tower? Before seven point that's a really good question. Yeah, before cool. seven point two four, you would kill a tier three and then uh, kill shrines to take over the map. Now you can't destroy the outpost after getting a tier 3, so it seems kind of underwhelming and doesn't allow you to improve your advantage in terms of restricting the enemy movement on the map. It is Shit, it, I, I, I didn't think about that. You're just right. I don't know. You're just right. I was just thinking about this like two days ago for the first time. I was like, wow, this does feel really weird. There's almost no benefit to going high ground early until you're ready to actually win the game. Like... You kill the tier three, but it doesn't actually give you Roche control like it used to. So what is the point in going high ground unless you're actually trying to win the game right then and there? Very solid point. I uh, All I can say is I literally didn't think of that, and I'm going to now. So thank you for the, for the, for the idea, because that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Maybe, I guess, I guess taking racks will allow you to, you know, keep creep pressure well, in that lane. Is important. Rax is important, right, but, but tier a tier three, three is kind of irrelevant. Not so much. Yeah. So yeah, it's mm. it's it's really cool. Really, I mean, obviously a tier three is like the tower's not there. It's easier to go high ground, right? But before the shrines were huge. That was a right. huge reason to okay. If we have to suicide a core to get this tier three, it's worth it. Now that might not be true. So that's just uh, that's just a really cool. Do you think they should uh, add something? Uh. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. What about like a second catapult or something like that? It's fun. No, because because like it didn't exist before mm-hmm. shrines, you know. So true. It's just kind of back to how it was. Like it's just different, and I think that's what keeps Dota interesting is that the patches are just different. Things matter less or more, mm-hmm. and this is just one of those things. And I'm glad to be thinking about it now because it's just so true. I don't know what else I can say. Uh, Uga Chaka says, hello, or hi, he said, or she, uh, I find that I carry best on AFK farming heroes such as Naga and PL because on my MMR, nobody punishes me. That's good. Keep doing that. Uh, However, I often have a hard time when my mid laner feeds and we lose map control early on. What can I do to avoid these situations? And if it doesn't happen, 
All right, if it does happen, where's the most optimal place to farm at 2K MMR, he or she says? Um, I think that you really need to watch Jenkins's video on where you should be farming. It's on his own personal channel, but it really does explain the concept of, uh, I think most carry players, especially people that like to play AFK carries, they spend a lot of time farming the stuff that's closest to their base. And maybe you're efficient enough to make that worthwhile in heroes like PL and Naga, but as you go up in MMR, or if you're having a bad game for the rest of your team, you're going to lose access to the amount of farm that you need to uh, to carry the game, unless you're also taking farm away from the other Well, I was going to say, usually if you feel like there's nowhere to farm, it's because you're trying to farm somewhere that's inaccessible farm. But there mm -hmm. is accessible farm somewhere else. You just need to be creative about getting there. Like... People seem to have this idea that the safest farm is closest to your base. Right. And I understand that. Your base is safety. It's where people can TP to. Your team can help you. But if the entire enemy team is just infesting your jungles, then... Go to their jungles. You have to go to their jungle. And there is almost no amount of net worth lead that the enemy team can have where they can control literally the entire map. Yep. And like every single one of the enemy heroes would need to be able to move a thousand units instantly. Like they would need to all have blink daggers and all be able to kill you solo, mm -hmm. which is almost never the case. There's almost always camps to farm. And sometimes it's like somewhere as dangerous as in the enemy triangle or farming uh, the creep wave directly in front of their base mm -hmm. while all towers are alive. If you need to do that, that's better than losing, right? You'd rather win or you'd rather have a chance of winning and do something crazy than just be guaranteed to lose anyway. What What's the point? It's like, you yeah. know, sit, some in, guy sit comes... in their trees, sit in their trees and like the side lanes by their tier two or something like that and send your Naga illusions out and cut the wave at their tier three every single time and just hide in the trees and let your illusions farm for you. Like, yeah, there's so many things you can do to get farm. But if you're just allowing them to like slowly push you back towards your base because you're too scared to either smoke past them by a ward put it in their jungle on the high ground so you can play there and see where they are. Like, don't be afraid to die, I guess, is the biggest thing. Don't be afraid to die. Go to dangerous places or places that you think are dangerous. Go through the dangerous place to where the safe farm is, which is actually, like, past the little, you know, like, the red line or whatever you want to call it where the enemy team is trying to hold you in. Yep. Yep. Just to... Just Imagine where that line is and try to try to play on the other side of it, no matter where it is, even if it's on the enemy side. Yep. Grand Garden says, hello, do you have any opinions? Actually, he said, opinions, uh, whether or not your person, I just had to read it like that because it's just too funny to, to ignore. Uh, do you believe that your personality traits could or should synergize with the position you play in Dota? Yes, yes wholeheartedly. 100%. E.g. a wildly competitive slash blood-hungry person is more su uh, suited for the mid lane, team leader, strategist, uh, strategist, etc. A savage narcissist is in safe lane, fearless warrior for the off lane. Ooh, I love that, you're, that you call me a fearless war warrior. Uh, much support and appreciation from I call a you a clown. <laughs> hey, man, there's a place. Off there's a place are clowns. clowns. <laughs> there's a place. Uh, I've been an old Dota slug from Norway. Uh, been listening since Alchemy Answers 10. Holy shit. Damn, dude. Damn, dude. That's, that's... crazy. Welcome. Yeah, that's amazing. Welcome to, to the patron to the patron uh, family. Yo, Prime Operator called me a stud. Thanks, dude. 
Yes, because he's an offlaner also. Y'all are clowns. He is, he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all clowns. Well, it, it's okay because, you know, clown college is, is cheap and there's a lot of jobs out there for us. So yeah. no big deal. Fair so, enough. yeah, I, I I really think that, I mean, I, I'm a believer in this uh, just in life in, in general. Uh, this is going to sound, you know, maybe uh, like I don't have any studies in front of me or anything like that. And it, it's all it's all anecdote. But then again, most people are talking about life. I think that's how they usually go with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that you uh you just are who you are that's usually developed when you're a kid you just kind of randomly like shit maybe genetics makes you randomly like shit maybe your parents get you a drawing book when you're younger so you become an artist so something like that you just you just tend to enjoy things you don't even know exactly why and uh it seems to me that those things take a really long time to change if they can even change at all yep like I feel like for me, a lot of the stuff that existed for me when I was like a teenager and, and a kid, I, I was like, you know, kind of a crazy, pretty bad kid. You know, I would get into trouble all the time, sent out of the principal's office, fucking skipping class, dick, dicking around. You know, I wasn't like malicious, but I was just trying to have a laugh. And I feel like I've gotten more mature with it where like I know the appropriate situation to do these things, but I still have the urge to, mm-hmm. I still, I still really like that. You know, it's like, it's part of my, I consider it part of my identity to be like somebody who's trying to make people laugh, being the funny guy. That's that sort of thing. So I really Clown think college in the offline. Exactly. I, <laughs> I really think I really think that it is a much more daunting task to change who you are than it is to just adapt a very adaptable game to who you are and just do that as well as possible. I agree. And I, I, mean... and I think that's shown in a lot of pro players as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look at look at uh like two B. Do you know who two B is? He's this European dude who plays like super weird roamers. He's like anti mage roamer, troll roamer. Uh, I've I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of him. Like this is the definition of somebody who has just figured out who he is as a Dota player, and he's climbed to like seven point five eight k, playing like anti mage. Yeah, exactly. Topson. Exactly. Puppy told Topson. To fucking kill himself <laughs> because he played because weird he was, heroes. <laughs> because he was so mad at the weird shit that he was doing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I played a pub the other day. I was playing against this German bastard, this European mother who was lone druid mid, and he cut my wave. The first wave, he cut the wave and dragged it behind his tower. And I was storm, and I was like. What a what and I just all chat. I was like, dude, do you get off to just doing weird shit? What the fuck? But he's really high rated. He's yeah. really good. It it was awful to play against. It felt bad. I felt like I was in a very dangerous place. It's something you can only do with with Lone Druid. And a lot of the time when something feels really awkward and makes you mad when you're playing against it, it's because that's actually good. Yeah. And this guy just, you know. All of these people that innovate and and don't try to copy other people, I think they're the ones that are defining the meta, not just following it. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I know it's I know it's a good play, Jopit, Jope. It's just frustrating <laughs> to be against it. Oh, I'm just like stuck mid laning because I, I have like two off laners on my team. So I have to go mid. All of a sudden, this guy's doing this weird shit. It's like, man, I didn't sign up for this. I was just trying to play some centaur or something, you know? Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, where are we at? Uga Chaka says, Do you think it's more efficient to learn from Smurfs slash boosters or 
pro players. I like this question too. I think this is kind of interesting. These are good, really good questions. Really good questions this week. You guys are, you guys are, I feel like we're not doing the educating anymore. It's like, it's like people you guys are drawing are, it out of us. We're just like a, oh, we're just like a, a, a organ donor and you're just like taking our organs and yeah, creating it's better. Almost, <laughs> like this is, this is like, these are, this is good content actually. It could like, you could, you could like make that into a video title and I think that would get a lot of views. Yeah. Um, but do I think it's better to learn from Smurfs and boosters? My initial uh, feeling towards that is just both. I think there's value in looking at both. Um, yeah. I think the boosters know how to win in certain brackets. Uh, I think the boosters really abuse certain things that people fuck up in pubs. Yes. Um, but pr pro players play good, clean Dota, if you will. Uh, I mean, clean as in not dirty. Like, Smurfs and boosters definitely do it dirty. Like, they, you know, they last pick things when there are openings, things like that. And both of these things are going to be really good to study. I would just say don't focus too hard on one of them mm -hmm. because going back to the previous question of personality, if you aren't the type of player that just wants to play dirty and can play the dirty heroes and you try to do it because Smurfs and Boosters are doing that, it's not going to work. You need to find the way that works for you to gain yep. MMR. And it's going to be different for everybody. Dude, I mean, look at me. Like, Not to make this question about me, but I was you know, like 5,500 MMR and i just started kind of playing random stuff i was like i'm tired of just playing support every single game and so i just started playing rank classic i was playing carry i was playing offline i was playing mid just didn't really matter i was first picking heroes like that i don't play normally lost tons of mmr and then i was like wait i'm just a support player so now i'm playing ranked roles i'm playing support every single game and i've gained like 600 mmr in the last two weeks it's just like oh okay this is me so I, I completely agree with that point about like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, just watch somebody who's a Meepo spammer. Just watch somebody who's a Huskar spammer. That's how you gain 500,000, 2,000 MMR. Just watch them and copy what they do. If you're not a Huskar player, you're just going to lose MMR. <laughs> you're not going to gain MMR. It's not about the, uh, it's not about the pick. It's not about the hero. It's about the fact that they have this purpose in mind. That is what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And pro players have the exact same like way of playing. It's just a different purpose. Yeah, you know. I also want to say that for pro players, you, you even see it in like when a pro player gets in a lower rated game and they complain about their teammates not playing the game well. Learning from pro players also has a few drawbacks because pubs are chaotic. Pubs are not pro games. So, like you'll see, you know, a top five pro player be like, "My support's terrible." because they're not doing all the stuff that they expect their high-level teammates to do, because they've been scrimming with, you know, Puppy as their support in lane for, like, six weeks. And then they go play a game, and their rank 500 support player doesn't play the lane how Puppy plays it. No no surprise, right? But, yes, of course. Um, you know, sometimes you do have to deal with the chaos and, and the poor coordination communication of a pub. Yep, of course. Uh, Fuzzy says in awfully hard games where you are extremely disadvantaged and honestly, if the enemies were pros, your chances would be incredibly tiny like Donnie's penis. Oh, come on, Fuzzy. Why are you saying that? Whoa. Uh, what are the most common throws you should bank on? Because your chance to win is not the tiny one 
in 1000, it would be in a pro game, but more like one in 20 because it's a pub game. Sure, you don't want to be in these games, but it will happen. And I ask, what are your comeback strats? Okay, that's another really good question. My comeback strats. What I do, I run down a lane, uh, one of the side lanes, and I just push it until they kill me. And I try to do it safely, but I just keep pushing it until they kill me. Uh, hopefully at one point they get really mad that I'm doing that and then they split up and my team kills them somewhere else. Uh, pickoffs, like split pushing, basically split pushing and pickoffs. That's that's the way to uh, to come back in those games. As well as you can like smoke into their jungle. You can cut waves at the tier, uh, tier threes. You can jungle in their jungle, look to like snipe couriers, get really deep wards up and play around those. Uh, you can sit high ground, but if you're sitting high ground, you want to make sure somebody's out on the map actually farming, doing that creep cutting stuff. Otherwise, they'll just get such an advantage on you. But just make sure that you're not you're not uh, playing like a bitch. If you're just sitting in your base, you're yes. going to eventually lose. Make sure that you're not relentlessly feeding either. Yep. Because there's always a chance that the enemy team dives and you just kill them because it's really hard to go high ground. So and and also neutral items can be real game changers. So just keep. Keep farming. Just try to do something to get something in the game. It's very easy to go 50-50 in a game. And uh, you, you just got to abuse those strats until hopefully they throw. And you look for pickoffs. Maybe take one good smoke eventually and, and it's GG, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't really like the wording of the question necessarily just because um, you said, like, what are the throws that the enemy team should you, you should be looking for? It's more so you need to create the opportunities for those throws to happen. And that's kind of what Jenkins is describing, is you need to actually be active so that they do stuff that you can take advantage of. Um, and a lot of that comes down to like narrowing where you're controlling. It might just be one lane that you're pushing out. It might just be your triangle that you're holding with like four wards around in sentry. So if they do walk up, you have like an overwhelming vision advantage and high ground that you can abuse. Um, or like Jenkins is saying, wards, like suicide wards are really lane. important, I yeah. would say. Wards are super important. Like but... playing around a ward. Yeah, I agree. And vision, really, really important. Uh, Bradley Dragon, I feel I'm cursed. I had six matches in a row where I had a positive KDA and still long in at least three of them. I'm very certain that some cheating was going on, but otherwise I consistently had really bad teammates, not even repeat players, just randoms that play like it was their first match ever. Well, the, that's a hard one because it's just like arguing with anecdote. You know, your your games were probably pretty bad there's a possibility that they weren't as bad as you think they are and you're just tilted and thinking that they were there's a possibility that you're you're not dying but you're not actually impacting the game as much as you think that's a possibility and i say this you know obviously it's like critical um but i don't say it in a negative way because this is stuff that i recently have experienced like in the past two days i i realized that i needed to be doing more and risking my life more basically, and that I was the cause of a lot of my, I was like, wow, I'm shit, you know, and that's, that's a really good start, I think. Uh, otherwise, if, if you are just getting really unlucky, well, there's no magic hand that's making this shit happen. It'll swing the other way, but it's unlikely, in my opinion, that six in a row, it's really just shit teammates and the games are unwinnable. That's at least my, my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to be too harsh but you, you, this guy Bradley Dragon has been part of our community for a very long time and from what I've seen in Discord and these questions every single thing that's ever gone wrong in your Dota game is everybody's fault but yours. So 
you need to figure out what you're doing wrong and you need to stop caring about what your teammates are doing because I have not seen you take responsibility for a loss ever in all the games that you've submitted and all the replays you've submitted and all the questions you've asked. So start there and just figure out what you're doing wrong and get better at it. You have to start. You have to start with the shitty feeling of realizing that you're shit. Yeah. And and once again, I say this not from the perspective of thinking that I'm better. Uh, like this is something that I'll think I'm shit. I'll go into a learning mode, which is good. I'll improve, and then I'll develop an ego. And my MMR yeah. plants. <laughs> and Legit. I have to get to the point where I realize it's me. It's me. I'm the reason that I hate everybody in these games. I'm the reason that I think the community's toxic. I, I, I'm yeah. letting it be that way. I'm letting myself interpret it this way, you know. And I'm letting it get to my play. I'm, I'm sometimes all chatting at people, and it's like that's maybe they deserve it. Maybe they're assholes, but doesn't solve should anything. That, <laughs> should that make me an asshole? Should that? Should that? make me play worse why well what's the point in indulging any of this bullshit and it's just like wow i'm a shit person okay <laughs> well that's good that's done with i'm gonna be better yeah. that's that's a big thing for me is constantly realizing that that i'm being shitty and that i and that i need, need to be better and i feel like for most people including very virtuous people that seem very virtuous they have this as well it's just quick for very very virtuous people in general i don't just mean in dota yeah because I think everybody has bad thoughts. I think everybody has thoughts that are vindictive, that are blaming, that are toxic. You know, somebody brings you something and it, you know, it's like my mom, my mom brought me, my, my mom brought me pancakes today. She brought me my laundry. She drove it here. She did the laundry and then she brought me pancakes. And I had the thought of like, man, how mean would it be? If I like told her, I don't want the pancakes that you cook. Cause I looked in there burnt or something. Like, how fucked up would that be? Obviously, I didn't think that, but I feel like there have been times where similar stuff has happened, and my brain immediately goes to a bad thought because I'm in a bad space, and you just have to fight against that constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah, Paradise makes the perfect point because both you and I have experienced this many times in our Dota careers. The moment you tell yourself you're better than those around you is the moment you fail to progress further, 100%. Like, I can't even tell you how many times, you know. It, it happens like we're we're content creators we're educators sometimes we get on a winning streak we think that we have kind of figured the game out and then you have people that are on your team who just have a different idea than you maybe they're worse than you it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether they're actually worse than you if you think that you're better than the people around you you're just gonna fail like that's it yeah yeah and uh that's just life you know it's not sad it's not happy it's just neutral it's just the way it is yep. so you got to accept it either way. Um, Alex Kim says, does spirit vessel synergize with Ember Spirit? Yes. Hero yep. that likes to run around killing people, does extra damage to add to his magic damage. Um, gives him mana regen, gives him tankiness. I love vessel on Ember. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've seen it work super well when there's like, you know, a Huskar on the other team, for example. He's kind of owning you in lane. You go gank the other lanes, you get a spirit vessel, and suddenly he's countered because you're the fastest hero to get a vessel um yep yeah it actually used to be quite popular back when ember was like a spell super it's, spell it, damage hero it's a it's it's coming back it's mm -hmm. coming back i've seen it more recently 
Uh, that burrito says thoughts on the Dota regional leagues. We actually have a video we just recorded. It will be coming out. We both love it. Both yeah. love it. We'll say that. Very excited. Uh, Arboreal Phoenix says, "Okay, guys, I need help. I know you don't approve of this, but I've been playing Phoenix mid. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he's being a bad Go boy. Go to the off lane, bro. <laughs> I played five of five games on four to the five. Typical game goes as falls. Kill the mid player two to three times. They run to the jungle." Wow, you're consistently killing the enemy mid. That is crazy. I usually take my level advantage in Supernova, go kill a lane, which isn't doing well. Uh, usually my off lane at 20 minutes. I'm usually four levels above, godlike or higher. All the tier one tower is gone, but the game doesn't end for another 30 to 40 minutes. It's usually, you know why? Because you're playing Phoenix mid <laughs> and he doesn't hit towers. Usually you have like a TA or you have some, you know, maybe a carry, but it's like the mid or the carry's job to hit towers. Yeah. I was going to say, you legitimately have to like build a meteor hammer if you want to end these games. Or, like, build a bunch of auras. Like, build Vlad's. Build fucking Crimson Guard. Stuff like that. And be like, team, we're grouping up and pushing now. And if you don't have a pushing hero on your team, then you have absolutely no options. So, I, I would just say, try Meteor Hammer. Yeah. Just try that. <laughs> yeah. that that's, all, that's all I can say if you're playing if you're playing Phoenix mid. If you want to end the game. Is there anything else that I really recommend on Phoenix? Necrobook? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, that's griefing. <laughs> That's seriously griefing. They just get they just get killed anyway. <laughs> Tower gets forwarded and they like die. Uh, how about AC? Oh, that sounds decent. That sounds decent. Yeah, AC sounds pretty good. Uh, taking red and yellow camps, as you said, just choke the enemy team out and pray to God somebody on your team picks some tower hitter for the late game. Yeah. Otherwise, if you have no tower hitter, you gotta buy meteor hammer. Yep. Okay, Rookski says, what do you feel are the best pub meta carries at the moment? Uh, let me look. Slark, Phantom Lancer, Lifestealer, yep. Troll. Don't pick Troll. Troll's a garbage hero. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Ricky? Actually, in pubs, Troll's a good hero because... God, I... There is, there is no hero I hate more than Troll. I cannot fucking stand this hero. You take your most farmed hero, and you lose control of it during the most important moments of the game. During teamfights, where you have to make good decisions, where you have to use your stuff at the right time. Nope, press R, take your hands off the keyboard, sit back, and hope for the best. That is the most stupid mechanic I've ever heard for a carry. Pick Void. <laughs> and a mate wanted me to ask how does jenkins have a girlfriend and he doesn't well i would say if your mate is asking that sort of question <laughs> then he probably answered his own question hockey says can you guys talk about stages of itemization during the different parts of the game i was listening to a replay analysis by bsj where he mentioned that none of the players on the team had any items to push towers this was late end of mid game uh, that they should have started, or they should have already been working on some uh, tower hitting items. I don't think that I've ever thought of building items specifically for tower pushing before, other than Meteor Hammer. This, to me, has always been an innate ability of certain heroes and only thought about after drafting. Uh, during drafting, sorry. Okay, so it depends. So if they have a lot of wave clear, you need a pipe to push towers. Yep. If they have a lot of harass, you need some uh, some healing, you need like mech, you need Vlads, you need urn, uh, vessel, things like that. Uh, sometimes they have some like armor reduction, like Sardar, you need a solar crest. These are all tower hitting items because they just buff one person. They just buff the strat of 
of hitting the tower, which is basically putting your carry in front, healing them, buffing them while they hit the tower. Uh, Meteor uh, Hammer, as you said, is good. Deso, AC. I also think that you're kind of approaching it wrong. I think that if you are having issues clearing towers, uh, it's probably partially due to itemization, but it also could just be because you're not like killing the enemy creeps fast enough. Use your creeps as a resource. Like Instantly clear the enemy creep wave. Run past the tower. Cut the wave before your creeps even get aggroed by their creeps, and let your creeps and catapult and whatever hit the tower. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, that's it. That's that's the questions. Bradley Dragon is typing one, uh, so maybe we'll take see that. From, take a few from chat. There's some questions. Okay. There's somebody asking how to get to 7K from 6.1K. Okay, that's a fucking hard one, man, because you see the, hard, the higher and higher MMR you get, the more problems you've solved already to get to that point, which means the remaining problems are very hard to find ones because you've already found the easy-to-find ones. You see what I'm saying? Um, six to seven K. Hmm. Biggest piece of advice. Let's see. Well, what got me from six to seven K? Thinking about your your place in the game as a job and less as like a role, right? That's always a good one. That's always a good one. Like thinking about the whole game as opposed to laning or uh I'm this is my job in team fights. Like think about playing with your teammates basically and playing around the enemy teams. Win conditions. Win condition thinking is always really good. But that's the thing. If you're 6K, you might already be thinking about that. You might just suck dick at laning. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I guess. It's hard to say. Once once you get higher and higher, there's so many holes that could open up in your game. Like you could outlane 5K players consistently and then just have like 7K tier decision making in the late game. But once you get up against 7K players in the lanes and you just never get to the late game decision making, that skill is irrelevant, right? So. I can give you a really easy thing if, if you don't do this already. Spam a hero. If, if you're not spamming a hero and you're already 6K, you'll get 7K pretty quickly because uh, chances are whatever it is that you're not doing, you'll learn very quickly once you spam a hero and shit starts going south because you'll just master the hero so much that like the 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 whole, you'll have time to think about the the bigger the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, so. That that's an easy one if you're not if you're not hero spamming. I can guarantee you that'll get you high rated. Also, that'll force you to pick good, a good hero. Basically, you've nine point eight versatility. Yeah, that's way too high. Yeah, definitely. If you look at any of like the the highest ladder players, they've played like maybe four heroes. <laughs> like, okay, so they've played probably like fifteen twenty heroes in the last month, but they'll have played like fifteen of them one time, and they'll have played five heroes like 30 to 40 times each. okay so if, if if i go to my dota plus i was just in a uh european game everybody was like rank 300 or higher so everybody's like 7.5k mm. and i can go through and i can see this guy that i was playing with has played 31 games of void spirit 14 games of centaur 14 games of mars and then the our mid was 22 invoker 19 meepo 32 sf yeah <laughs> and and total games it's like a couple hundred, right? So these people are picking five heroes in the whole month, mostly. Right. That they're spamming, and half of these games, these two hundred games, are from another meta. Yeah. So they didn't pick these heroes in that meta. So, and this is everybody. I could I I, I list off two people, but I can look through my Dota Plus and I see so much green. I look at my own thing and I and I'm seeing green. For me, it's Void Spirit. I have a shitload of Void Spirit picks. I have Puck. Uh, everybody's hero spamming yep. you just have to 
you just have to. You can't play at the highest possible level. Yeah, it's just not possible to know the matchups well enough and have the mechanics high enough to play at an elite level unless you are hero spamming. I think that's just reality, to be honest. Like, Agreed. Like, remember when GH was uh, he was on Liquid and he literally played like 150 straight games of Earth Spirit so that he could play it for their next tournament? And yeah. then there was, I remember there was something where like he was playing a lot of some other hero and they asked him about it and he was like, I just haven't played it enough to feel comfortable on it at a, at, in a tournament. And it's like, that's just how yeah. it is. Yep. Yep. You got, you got to master things. Like that's the thing is people think, people think that the meta is defined by like the meta is already defined and the pros are figuring it out, but it's more like the meta is just being defined by the pros, whatever they're doing. So there are certain heroes that are good and they just don't get picked because people haven't practiced practiced it yet. Yep. And uh those are the good here. Those are good heroes to find. Those will, you'll get a lot of MMR if you can find those ones. Right. And it tends to be the heroes that counter the current meta, right? Like the heroes that are inherently very strong that come out, they get picked a lot. It's usually the heroes that are then good against those because there's sort of like this rotating nature of the meta where stuff becomes good, people figure out how to beat it, then that becomes good, people figure out how to beat that. And you just get this interesting cycle. Yep. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Alchemy Answers. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us, sticking with us. We're a little bit loopy today. Um, thank you, as always, for your amazing questions from our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter and join the crew and ask questions every single week, get exclusive access to some discord channels where you can interact with us. Um, Patreon.com slash dot alchemy. We'd love your support. We're growing. We're putting up coaching sessions on there. We've got extra videos that you guys have never seen before, unless you are a Patreon supporter. Um, so check it out. 